Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Do with us what you please. <laughs> All right. Well, today is a, it's a special bonus episode, something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. So I would um, very much like to welcome my friends, um, uh, <laughs> I, I hate butchering your name. Yes. So let me try it really quick. Okay. Uh, Ioana. Ioana. Yep. Ioana. That was perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No one ever gets it right. I'm impressed. Ioana Kekados. Yes. Is that right? Wow. Did I do it? Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. Only Roberta Blevins can Errol, pull off. Aaron, yeah. Car- Aaron Carlson. That's easier. Yes. Yeah. But I yeah. messed up yours too, trying to get it out. So I'm very, very bad. I'm horrible with names. I'm surprised. No, that was really No, I was practicing all. We will watch. No we'll idea. watch people's YouTube videos before yeah. we interview them to try and see if they say their own name. Right. <laughs> so and that's totally what I did. I was like, I'm going to butcher her name. I don't want to butcher her name. Let me listen to her introduce herself on the podcast like three or four times. And I was like, okay, I that don't want to butcher it. Okay. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do is butcher someone's name. People call me uh, Roberta Blevis, Roberta Belvins. Like oh, all the yeah. Time. We and Googled I was like, you for like 20 minutes to yeah. make sure we knew what your name We were like, is it Roberta, Roberta? <laughs> Sometimes Roberta. even my friends are like, this is my friend, Roberta. And I was like, why are you <laughs> putting so much emphasis on the wrong syllable? It's so strange. Um, my name is just Robert with the A on the end. That's, uh-huh. that's literally it. Like it's not as fancy as people make it out to be. It's just Roberta. It's very easy. Anyway, after that ridiculousness. Um, so you guys did a season on your podcast about the anti-MLM movement. So there's six episodes. Yes. I don't know if there's a lot of yep. people out there listening to this that even know that, but there are six episodes that you guys did. Um, can you tell, before we even get into that, introduce yourselves uh tell us why you got started in podcasting and uh you know when anybody what you think anybody would like to know about you Aaron do you want to go first sure so I'm Aaron Carlson um Iwan and I both live in Chicago Illinois we actually met in college together we both were a part of the fitness fitness industry for about six or seven years um which is kind of like a blend between getting an educational degree and joining an MLM. There's a lot (laughs) of, you know, crossover in that field. Um, But that's how we met. We both taught Zumba and um, just instantly fell in love with each other and Mm -hmm. have been best friends ever since. And uh, we both like are used to spending a lot of time together. And when COVID happened, um, Iwana has a background in journalism um, and she is very talented, very skilled, does most of the legwork for the podcast and very upfront about that. but she basically approached me and said, you know, would you do this with me? And I was like, I have no, it's a podcast, you know, Roberta, like you just kind of just do it. And I was like, ah, sure. you're just like, like, yes, I'm I will. That sounds great. And I'm not in an MLM or anything right now. So I have time. So let's do it. And um, yeah, so we launched it um, the first season. So it is our podcast is Sip With Me. And basically it is supposed to be like a informal cocktail hour chat. So basically something you can listen to uh, when you're working out on your commute, if you're having a drink, whatever it is. Um, we saw people really, you know, disconnected from society and from people and from, you know, intimate, friendly connections. And we wanted to kind of give people an opportunity to be a part of that virtually. So the first season, we just covered like hot topics. We talked about uh, Black Lives Matter. We uh, covered how the unemployment system works. Um, we covered the 2020 election. And then our last episode of the season was the anti-MLM movement, which was um, kind of really, really big in those first couple months of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that episode, like we felt so good about it that we decided to dedicate our whole second season, pivot and do a full anti-MLM uh, rundown. So we did six episodes, like you mentioned. Um, we had Josie Nicolai, Sarah Olivares, uh, Kimberlea, 
you, um, and really just, you know, we talked to survivors, advocates, educators, YouTubers, kind of wanted to get a little bit of the whole field. Um, and while we did pivot after that season three, we did true crime and um, business crime. So a little bit of like kind of the MLM vibe. And then now we're on our season four, which we are covering small business stories and talking to um, people that have built like their own business or brand online. Um, and that's kind of where we are heading right now with our future. So yeah, Iwana. Yeah, so I'm Iwana Kikados, um, the other half of the podcast. Erin uh, perfectly kind of covered everything about the podcast, uh, but really we just wanted to um, create a podcast that either millennials or Gen Z could kind of go to instead of watching your typical live broadcast because no one really watches, you know, the 6 p.m. news anymore. Um, and having a background in journalism, I wasn't working in journalism at the time. I was unemployed. We both were. So we thought it was a great opportunity to connect as friends once a week since we haven't seen each other in almost a year um, and just cover something that we're passionate about. Um, and the anti-MLM movement has been something I've been really passionate about for the last couple of years, um, just through my own personal experiences uh, firsthand with MLMs. Um, I really wanted to be involved in either putting a stop to it or highlighting the negative um, aspects of that world. Um, and I actually ended up freelancing during uh, the last year for someone who was a very um, high up member in a current uh, MLM, which I won't mention names. Um, and at first I didn't know because, you know, it was, it was packaged so well with like a bow and I couldn't even tell that it was an MLM, mm -hmm. uh, but she was very involved and, um, and just my own experiences. Uh, it, it was really frightening to see so many people uh, being involved in MLMs, especially during COVID. So many yeah. vulnerable people uh, really were being kind of attacked on social and being found. And, and so we wanted to, um, to highlight that. And uh, it was definitely one of our favorite seasons. I think it's still our favorite season um, just because I feel like we touched so many people. Um, and that's the thing that at least I love the most about the anti-MLM movement is that you guys really are trying to help people, right? It's not coming from an attacking point of view. It's, it's coming from um, a place that you've gone through and that we've all had similar experiences um, and just to help people. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went ahead and re-listened to the episode that I did with you guys because I just wanted to refresh what I say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <At the time laughs> like, what did I say? People are like, oh yeah, because when you mentioned this one thing and I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Okay. Um, so I wanted to refresh and I did. Um, and I, we talked about COVID and the impacts okay. of COVID and, and what yeah. I had seen um, multi-level marketing. So I go, I went ahead and Googled like some statistics from 2020 when COVID was at the height and MLM was just attacking. Um, and it's interesting, but the DSA, which is the direct sales association or the, the governmental lobby that protects them, put out the statistic that 59% of the MLMs that are members of the DSA said that COVID actually had a positive impact on their business. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, the FTC actually sent out at least 16 warning letters to different MLMs during COVID uh, for not only false health claims, claiming that they could cure COVID or they could cure the symptoms, but also false income claims dealing with unemployment and things like that. So those mm. are just some very basic statistics of things that happened. It was a really bad year yeah. for uh, people joining MLMs, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And go ahead. I was going to say, we saw that, like, we both, while we were covering the anti-MLM movement, like, I felt like every day I checked social media, and there was a new person I knew that was involved in some MLM. It was really frightening, because, I mean, they were always around, but the rate that I saw people joining, um, because people were so vulnerable, I mean, we were unemployed, we totally understood that, um, but it was extremely frightening, and, you know, you saw these people that were high up in MLMs, you know, being so positive about it, like, look, everyone's joining my business. It's so great. We're going to make all this money and it's going to be fantastic. Um, but as we all know, that's not really the world of yeah. what MLMs actually are. Yeah. And we really vibed with your approach and you kind of like, you have a whole different lens that you look through the MLM world with, and it really taught us to be more aware of how we look at not only the MLMs themselves, but look at the people that are one, a part of them actively, and two, 
the people that have gotten out of them and survived their experience because you have to do it from a place of understanding, of empathy, of, of listening, of care. Um, and especially last year, you kind of saw, just like you saw the rapid, like, you know, move to e-commerce and the death of so many like businesses, you saw the speeding up of a couple of years or maybe even a decade of like this type of industry being able to capitalize on such a large collective trauma and so many people that are in so extremely vulnerable, risky places of their lives where people will grasp at anything either to, to whether it's have an income or to belong or have a purpose or to like gather social capital, whatever it is that motivates someone um, like going through that, not with a positive lens, but coming at that with a like place of understanding. That's really what we learned from you by interviewing you um, and kind of what your whole like educational genre has been is to, to do that. Um, and I think that's really important and why, you know, you've been doing so well and are such a popular face in the field. Well, thank you. Yeah, I try to be as compassionate and understanding and sympathetic and empathetic as possible. Um, I, there is a lot of comedy that's mixed into my podcast mm-hmm. as well, just because, you know, I don't make fun of the people, but I definitely make fun of the ridiculousness yes. and I definitely you make fun to. of the stereotypical, yep. you know, the, the mega hun or the super hun. Um, even like the TikTok videos that I make where I'm playing that like mega hun character, like I'm not mm-hmm. ma- making fun of anyone specifically. It really yep. is this, this amalgamation of a stereotype yep. that like everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I know someone just like that. Um, I don't know, maybe bringing that out to people are like, oh, am I acting that way? Um, so I do like to, to juggle the comedy aspect of it too, because I've said before in, in interviews, like, if I don't laugh, I cry. Um, and so finding like, I, I also feel like comedy, um, especially relatable comedy will, um, make people feel a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. and yeah and, and it brings in a different audience where it's like hey look this is a super serious topic but we're gonna make fun of ourselves a little bit and we're yep. gonna call out what we're doing or what we did in the past I mean I post cringe posts all the time where I'm like I can't believe I'm yes oh I love and, but <laughs> here we go you guys <laughs> look well, it's at a me way, in this horrible outfit <laughs> it's a way to be reflective mm-hmm. and also critical or self-critical without being like aggressive. And that's what, again, like the thing you really taught us, like you see all these like online communities and like, especially like on social media, the ability yeah. to call out anyone and say whatever you want and, you know, just tarnish people. Um, but really there's a whole different approach that if you like learn how to do it that way and you're careful with it, you can be so much more, not only like effective, but like you can be so much more like you can do so much more, you know, and create those ripples where you're also educating people to help their friends and their family and the people that contact them on social media to join. Um, yeah, it's just very like the whole field of education basically is how I view it. Yeah, I'm glad that that's coming across and that people are like, <laughs> she's just ridiculous. Um, so when you guys were doing that season and you're doing the research and you're talking to different advocates and different people and, and victims and survivors, um, what were some of the most surprising things that you heard? That's a great question. I think for me, it was how often and how easy it was for some of the people we talked to, to like, you know, kind of have a, a, a coming to and, and like a big realization and to get out and how easy it is to get back in. Um, and how, you know, one thing or one post or one new, you know, up and coming MLM or one new product, how easy it was for like basically all of the realizations and like the walls and the, the foundations that they built to get out, it all can just literally crumble almost like, like an addict. Like it takes so long to have this organic, true growth. And it's just takes one small thing to completely erase all of that. And I think several of the people we talked to had been through that multiple times. 
um, and to like hear their stories of, you know, triumph and growth and personal realization. And then, oh, but then all of a sudden, one day a year ago, it all just ended and I was back in this. And it was very surprising to me how, how easy it can be. Even for some of the strongest, most educated, self-aware people, it can, it's easy. And that's why it works. Kind of going off of that, something I was not even aware of was how easy MLMs really blended into society amongst other businesses. So like I grew up with Avon down the street, there was like an Avon factory. Um, and I had no idea Avon was an MLM. Um, something me and Aaron talked about a lot was Beachbody. We both kind of got recruited and people reached out to us about doing Beachbody being yeah, in the fitness all the world. Time. Yeah. Like I had asked him, I'm like, Aaron, should I do Beachbody? Like, should I be a Beachbody coach? Having no idea that it was, I didn't know it was an MLM till we did our season. Um, so seeing like all these different businesses that just had, you know, so many different products that really, um, you, we were all kind of exposed to in our lives and, and not realizing that they were MLMs was quite frightening. Um, and that's probably like the biggest thing I took away was be very careful when you see a product, especially on social media and do your research. There are so many great websites that list all the MLMs. Um, and you'll be very surprised to find that a lot of products and a lot of businesses are MLMs. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, MLMs have been quote unquote legal mm-hmm. um, since 1980, basically. And so you look around, like you said, Avon, you grew up with an Avon factor down the street or, or you, you know, you knew someone that sold Mary Kay that drove a pink car and it was like, Oh my God, they worked so hard to get that. And it's like, it's been ingrained and you've been groomed since before you were born that these are completely legitimate businesses that everybody tries them. Not everybody succeeds, but some people do, and it's worth the risk. And it's a great opportunity. I mean, you have the Chamber of Commerce promoting it. You mm-hmm. you know, the government's promoting yeah. it. And yeah. you're just like, well, this has to be legitimate if these people are telling me that it's legitimate. Yeah. And, That's- you know, you've been groomed since day mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But you yeah. use business terms, calling them businesses, saying it's an opportunity, um, saying, well, if you lose, you know, that's part of the risk. And it's like you use these business terms and it legitimizes it even more. Yeah. Yeah. What scares me is the amount of lobbying and, I mean, really deeply woven approval of the industry that is built into U.S. and state laws and regulations. Um, It's really easy for people to have absolutely no idea how pervasive and like deeply entrenched it is because it is like government and lobbying and funding and and donations and all that stuff it's so uh you know like it's like dark matter it's like there but nobody none of us common folk can really access it and organize it and understand it in an easy way it's like trying to understand like how big the universe is you can't do it it's too big um and that's like really the biggest thing I wish that there could be more of, and what we talked about in our episode with you was some of the work you're doing um, kind of behind the scenes, because that's where like really good, solid, longer term change happens is there needs to be an entire dismantling of the relationship and the cozy two-way support that this industry and their lobbying organizations work with not only the federal government, but the state governments, you know, everybody is in everyone's pocket and that's why it, it exists. You know, you ask that simple question, well, if this is so bad and, you know, it's like wrong, why is it still allowed? Why have we not done anything about it? Mm-hmm. Well, it all comes back to the dollar sign and it's a revolving door that is um, completely, it's, it's a classic thing. And um, it's just hard to understand in details because the details are so blurry and they're so deep. Um, But that's some of the work that I really liked that I saw you doing was actually working, um, you know, on the ground, trying to get things, you know, moving in the courts and in laws and all that stuff. That's where, that's really the the front, the true front line. Thank you. Yeah. um, Actually, when, when I was being interviewed by you guys, 
you mentioned that I was on the phone with someone and I can actually talk about it now. Like I was talking to the attorney general of Washington and we were setting up my deposition and, and getting all of that ready to go. And mm-hmm. that happened probably just a, a week or two after I talked to you guys. And then we settled the case in February, which I've talked about on the show before. Um, we got $4 million restitution. You know, it's good. It brings awareness. There's so It's so deep. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. even with some legislation, there's just so much. Yeah. People yeah. say like, oh, I just started getting into MLM because of this or that. And oh my God, it's such a rabbit hole. And I said, no, it's, it's not a rabbit hole. It's an ant farm. Yeah. Like you get down there and you're like, look at this great rabbit hole. And you're like, wait a second. There's <laughs> okay. Wait, I can go left or right. It's not just a little burrow in the ground. Yep. It's like an infinite maze of yep. what? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think a lot of people realize that. And, and I've said it before, like you start digging into this and you might find stuff that breaks your heart. Um, <laughs> I compare it sometimes often to, big tobacco or big pharma where people yeah. are like yeah well if cigarettes are so bad for you how come no one's getting sick off of them if if opiates are so bad for you how come everybody loves them so much um it's the same kind of thing where i'm like <laughs> okay yeah mlms are so bad um well because none of you are complaining enough when you leave you're just swallowing it and going well I was a failure I was a loser yeah I'm just not a salesperson because that's what your cult tells you to say yeah that's what you say too and that's just that needs to stop (laughs) we need to be speaking out more um so I know that neither of you were like in MLMs but you mentioned being targeted specifically by Beachbody and others can you guys give me maybe one or two of your favorite examples of MLM coming into your circle and shaking things up Yes. So I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laugh because I, uh, so going back a few years, I think it was 2017. Um, I don't even know where to start. So I had met someone, um, I'm Greek. And so I was really hoping uh, to meet someone else that was Greek. My parents are from Greece. So there's a lot of Greek conventions around the country. Um, I had met someone and there were a few red flags initially. Uh, he, I asked him what he did, if he went to school. He's like, oh, I didn't go to school. Um, I make people's dreams come true, come true, word for word. And, you know, at the time, yeah, now oh, as a 26 year old, I'm very aware that I should probably run. But at the time I was, I think I was 20, 21. I'd never been in a relationship I really wanted it to work out. I was like, oh, he seems perfect. So I just said, oh yeah, he makes people's dream come true. I, I didn't know how to tell my parents that. I just was like, oh, he does something. Um, so I later come to find out that he uh, he had said finance. He was in finance, uh, which is interesting that a lot of people don't really talk about financial MLMs. Um, so at least my experience outside of Beachbody uh, was with Primerica because that's what he was involved in. Um, so I have a, a big hate for Primerica. Um, so basically throughout our relationship, uh, it was a a big issue. Um, I didn't really know what an MLM was, but I knew that what he had explained to me was were things I wasn't really on board with. And I'm very opinionated. I come from a family of very strong women uh, who are very vocal. And so he did not really appreciate that because I, I really honestly did not support him. And I was very honest about that. Um, and so I actually ended up moving to Florida for this person. <laughs> so yeah, it just got worse. Uh, and I was unemployed. He tried to recruit me, um, which was very interesting. Um, I was like 99% of the way filling out my forms and basically going to pay a monthly membership to join Primerica's like educational thing. And he asked for my social security number directly, and I felt very uncomfortable giving it to him. So again, that was another fight. I ended up not joining, uh, but his mom actually invited me to a convention. So I 
went to a Primerica convention, which I never thought I'd ever get to do. Um, again, at this point, I didn't realize it was an MLM. So I went, I sat down, they were all taking notes. Uh, you know, I saw these stories of all these people who hit million dollar club and all these, you know, wonderful things that they were talking about, at least with Primerica, um, they were really big on telling people to not put your money in a bank account. Banks are bad, invest in Primerica stock. Um, I was like, I love the bank, you know, Chase, it's great. I don't mind having a checking account. He was very against that. Um, so then slowly but surely, uh, you know, the relationship ended up really going south. Um, and so thankfully Aaron came and picked me up from Florida, uh, but actually he had tried to recruit Aaron as well, um, which is something I asked him <laughs> not to do. I said, please do not reach out to my family and friends, you know, they're not interested. And he didn't listen. Uh, he really believed that, you know, if I, if I can recruit four people this month, this is what I heard every day. If I recruit four people this month and then they recruit, recruit four people and it continues, I'll be a millionaire. And I was like, if it's that easy, we all would do it and we would all be millionaires. And he didn't really appreciate that. Um, so we broke up. It was a very uh, abusive relationship. Not only, uh, you know, that, that MLM element verbally abusive um, and and physically abusive. It was, it was a very, it was not a good relationship. Um, and I, I stuck with it for about a year. Um, he still is involved in Primerica, very actively involved, um, creates videos and still tries to, still really believes his whole family believes, um, that Primerica is a really great organization. His dad has his own office, uh, whatever that means, uh, in Florida. So, <clears throat> I lived it firsthand and it was very, it was awful. It was, yeah. That's like, it was crazy. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. Yeah. To that. Me now looking back, I, you know, I was very vulnerable myself and like, I really wanted someone to love me as cliche and cheesy as it is. Like I never had someone who I always like, I care so much and I, fall in love to my detriment sometimes too quickly. And I was very young and he, you know, pitched this dream to me, this dream of who he was as well as what he did. And so I really believed it. Now I'm with someone new. We're planning on getting engaged in a few months. Like I'm a very good place. He's not in an MLM. He is in finance, but not at primary. <laughs> Different Real financial finance. <laughs> yes. Yes. Real finance. Well, congratulations on that. So, That's yeah. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. But it took something like that and, and being with someone who, you know, was in an MLM to see that, like, that is such an awful world. And, and it not only breaks up relationships and families, but it's just, it's, it's crazy how manipulating it is. I mean, I saw him really believe that these, you know, this, this MLM was going to make him a millionaire and he didn't even care about, I said, you know, you're attacking people and you're, you're using all these vulnerable people to you know, make all this quote unquote money that he wasn't making. Um, like I know one of his uh, recruits was a woman whose um, husband was in jail. She had not gone to school. She'd barely finished high school. She had four kids and they brought her in and pitched this idea. Um, and it's, it's sad. It's really sad. It's yeah. So wow, that's my crazy story. Erin, wow. do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, aside from driving yeah. to Florida to pick yes. up your friend yeah. to save her from an MLM cult, do you I, have another I actually, story? I flew to Florida. Yeah. Oh, you flew. That's, I that's flew much faster than driving. to drive her back because yes. at that time in her life, she was not comfortable. No, I didn't drive outside. Highway, yes. Which was fine. But it was, I mean, that shows like, and looking back on it now, and I think this is the first time we've told this story to somebody that yeah. isn't like us. Yeah. And I realize now how actually crazy the story is, is. and how much the MLM played a role yeah. in that and her moving. Um, I have not moved out of state for an MLM or a man, um, but- Well, hold on one in- second. Can we all just for one second appreciate and and hope that in our lives, we have a friend like Aaron. Oh yeah. No, I point say- in our lives. To this day, I tell Aaron, I say- 
first of all, I would never be back in Chicago. I'd still be stuck in Florida, probably working for the MLM. Um, <laughs> like I was at, I knew I needed to leave, but I was so scared. And the only person I felt like I could, my parents were pissed at me. I mean, everyone was so, I spent so much money. I had no job. Yeah, everyone said stay. Yeah. My mom was like, stay, you went there for year. him, just stay. Like, hey, you right. like just join Primerica and yeah, live in yeah. your horrible yes. misery. This yeah, I'll sell health deserve. insurance or life insurance, whatever it is that I know nothing about. Um, and thank God, like Aaron was my, my ray of hope, my light. He came, picked me up. Poor guy got like ripped apart by his parents, asking him what he does. It was awful. We hopped in my car and I was like, I'm never going back to Florida again. And we still dated for half a year. So, I mean, there was a lot of manipulation. I mean, I think there, this is a whole nother thing, but he is definitely a narcissist and has a lot going on that he needs to deal with. Narcissists do incredibly well in the yes. level market. Yes. Funny I would love to see those statistics. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh so Aaron, the so, floor is yours now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't uh, top that story, even though I feel bad that she had to live that. Okay. Um, I have never, luckily... My dad uh, started and still owns a small family business. And I was exposed to that very early and kind of like a little bit of the world of business and finance and stuff. So I kind of had a little bit of a knowledge footing that a lot of people don't just aren't exposed to in their life. Um, so I was always kind of aware of pyramid schemes and, you know, that whole pitch of, you know, work from home, start your own business, do your own thing, like follow your dream. Um, I was always weary of things like that. Um, but I didn't realize getting into the fitness industry, which is what we both did for, I think about seven years. Yeah. Um, and was where we both ultimately, even after college spent, I think two years in total, both kind of trying to pursue that to go that route, like full-time as our careers before we both realized kind of how not stable and like financially well it was going to be. Um, but a lot of people that we've met along the way have pitched to us, you know, joining their teams. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something, something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton Madal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet, and they make sure that it stays off too. 
take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but they're still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts, registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See you at the polls. Joining whatever Emma, a lot of it was Beachbody, um, but there's been so many others along the way of, you know, clothing, accessories, new types of workouts, oh my God, supplements, protein powders, like all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, making you feel as an instructor, as a personal trainer, like whatever it is, you, you do have a, you're given a stage and a pedestal where you are trusted as an expert of a specific type of knowledge. And you're expected to, you know, there is like, I would say there's like a fiduciary relationship. Like you have the responsibility to do with that knowledge and your client or your people's like personal lives. And, you know, we're talking about their bodies, their health, their emotional state, and you're expected to do right by them with them trusting you. Um, and there was just so many people along the way that were completely abusing that, I guess, essentially a place of power and a power role, um, whether formal or informal, however you want to look at it. Um, but the, the biggest one I can think of is when I was um, working full time for a university um, for the fitness program for two years, we had a very large um, I basically, I went to graduate school in the middle of nowhere, like literally a cornfield town, uh, like nowhere land. Um, and in my second year, we had this like very, very big, like YouTuber, influencer, whatever you want to call them, move to the town and like randomly show up at the university one day at the, at the gym, like asking, like, to like get a job like teaching classes and yeah <laughs> at, at first I was like oh my god like this is like awesome like this is the thing we need like someone with an audience someone who is extremely I mean they were very positive knowledgeable uh, energetic great teacher all that kind of stuff like lots of good don't get me wrong but then upon doing research realizing what they were a part of, which was Beachbody. And, and me being me, I quick and being very critical, I very quickly realized what was going on. And I was like, oh crap, like if we hire this person, I don't really have a reason not to, but if we're hiring them, they're not here to teach and make $30 a week from teaching two classes in this cornfield town. They're here to make real money recruiting a whole bunch of college students, a lot of whom, a lot of whom at the university I went to graduate school were lower income and or people of color. And I saw very quickly all the dynamics that were at play here in this setting. Um, and while I voiced that concern to my team and my supervisors, for them, it was, I think, and for me at the time, too big of an opportunity to pass up on for our program, especially again, like just being something that's been the same, like 
program for 10 years, never really changed anything. Um, and I don't think it was wrong to open that door for them because I, at least I didn't see, and I was very observant to be like, okay, if there's ever anything, if there's any ever flyers, mention of this, anything like that, um, that I would speak up. I didn't ever see any of that, but I knew that this was more of that indirect, like, hey, like, don't forget to check out my, you know, my channel or, you know, follow me on social. And then that's where ultimately mm -hmm. the pitch is made. Um, right. It's like an affinity fraud funnel. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, you love my workouts. You should follow me on Instagram. And then yes. on Instagram, it's like, oh, my shakes and my workouts at home and my yep. this and that. Mm, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so it was really hard because I saw, you know, I, I, I'm supposed to be supporting this program and I have to support this team. And, you know, we need to get good numbers and we want to do new things. But then also I'm very weary and afraid of what could happen. But, you know, in a situation like this, and, you know, like you want a situation too, when you first are exposed to it and you're just starting out and like, you know, you question things, but you don't know, you know, there's everything is behind a curtain. So you can't just like call it out and be like, oh, well, this is bad and this is going to happen. And that's what happens to so many people. You might have feelings or like your gut might be a little uneasy, but you still have that question of, well, I could just be crazy or I could be judgmental or, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not an expert. Um, and yeah, so I don't have like a crazy ending or anything to it. Um, but just that it was, and looking back on it, it was so strange. And, and your gut was right on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you always, and that's always what I tell people. Um, especially when I talk to people about MLMs or, you know, career changes or relationships, whatever it is where you are trusting somebody, you have to follow your gut because your gut is always going to be right. And you will never, ever regret short-term or long-term following your gut. Um, you ultimately know, like you have, you have spidey senses built into you and, you know, you're the only one that knows your true real lived experience and you have to trust that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I feel I like, you want to, do you feel like we're in, I feel like we're in like a little bit of therapy. I was going to say. I feel lighter I, telling this story. We really haven't talked about our experience. Yeah. Only with each other. Yeah. It really does feel like therapy, huh? You're like, oh, that's one story that's not weighing on my soul anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now people know. Now it's not a secret. I got, I, I let that secret go. It really does oh, feel God. like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I akin this to therapy all the time. <laughs> talking about shared experiences that are taboo or hush hush or like yep. heaven forbid people know I was a failure yeah yeah I've never like I really have never told anyone I try to avoid telling people I moved to Florida for someone in an MLM and Aaron saved me oh, man crazy so with with how much fun you guys had with your second season doing an anti-MLM do you have any um, hopes and plans for doing more anti-MLM stories on your podcast? We just talked about this a few weeks ago. I feel like we, we really try to check in every so often because uh, I feel like sometimes we just continue doing episodes and it's good to just check in and see how we're both feeling. Um, so, so far we've really loved our season. Um, it's been like a positive, uh, positive season in the sense that we've seen people, um, really start their own businesses and real businesses, small businesses. Um, I think we want to get back into sharing MLM stories and, and people's experiences. We don't, at least, I don't think we know yet uh, what that'll look like, um, but we're still huge advocates. I mean, we still follow a lot of anti-MLM pages. Um, we listen to your podcast. We try as much to still be involved in the community um, and we still wanna create change. Um, so we don't, I don't think we know yet what we're going to do, uh, yeah. but we still want to include that as an element of our show. Yeah, it, it definitely was. goes along with like, you guys talk about small business, yeah. you guys talk about white collar crime, you talk about scams. So, I mean, all of these things are so prevalent in multi-level yeah. marketing that I feel like it just, it fits in every category you guys talk about yeah. already. 
And that's something we've, we've wanted each season to flow. Um, so we've wanted people who have been in MLMs, who have left, who, you know, really did want to start a business of some sort to look at these, you know, small business owners and content creators um, and just people that have created their own brand um, for our season four and be inspired to, to realize like, okay, I've left an MLM, but I can do this. And there's so many stories of other people who have um, and to really inspire them to do that. Yeah. I think it's going to look either it's going to be season five will be a, a revisit, but maybe through a different lens. Um, or we also talked about doing a segment on each episode because we have discussed um, the direction we're in now where we you know, have guests every episode we're really, a lot of the talking isn't even us. It's highlighting our guests and their story. Um, that has felt really good and it's been really successful. And we've hit people from all different industries, from you know local Chicago businesses to YouTubers that have 3 million subscribers. Like we've hit a kind of a whole different array of things. So maybe having a segment within that, if we stay that course, we also talked about launching a second podcast um, because we did and do feel mm -hmm. so good about, there's just something nice about the anti-MLM content and like really contributing to that field because there's still so much that can be done and so many more voices that need to be shared. Um, and I feel like, well, you know, we, we did have this, this burst that happened when COVID hit. I think the burst is going to be sustained long-term. And I think that it's not going away like a lot of fads are going to go away. Um, I think this is something that's here to stay. And especially as we see more people digging into that legal regulatory aspect of it. Um, and we actually see like things happen because they will happen. It's just a matter of time um, and who's going to do it. Um, but it's going to be a big field. And it's something that you know, like, it's like one of those things, like, it's not quite mainstream yet, but it is going to be. And when it is, it's going to be big. And if you're in at the ground level, you're going to climb the ladder and you're going to be in the 1%. <laughs> right? Join my team, you guys. It's yeah, join my team. Get the opportunity. <laughs> um, no, I say all the time, like, I'll talk to creators and, and they'll ask me, like, what do you think? Like where's this going? And I, I say to them, uh, this is the new true crime. So yes, yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. That. Yeah. Wow. What a perfect quote. Yeah. Literally. It's true. That is how we feel. Yeah. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely yes. true. And, uh, I just, I, I finally, I think was at the right place at the right time to be able to make an impact in a movement before it really became a movement. And now that it's yep. really growing, um, I, I love that there are so many other people taking that compassionate approach and educating and wanting to tell really authentic stories and connect with people. Um, you know, so you, I, I, my whole thing is like, let's tell a very relatable story so that someone listening can go, oh my God, am I in a cult too? Or, oh my God, am I being scammed too? Um, yeah. because that's, I mean, that's what the vice documentary did to so many people, yeah, uh, I am constantly interviewing people that I've met in this movement that are advocates now that are telling me like, uh, hey, just so you know, like you are the reason I do this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? So that's <laughs> been really cool for me to be like, I had no idea that that I had even that much influence and reach for creators, which yeah. is really cool. And then like, gosh, I, I would just I love being like just seeing it grow and, and seeing more people jump on board and, and share authentic content that I think is, is important to have. Yep. Completely agree. So one of the other things that you guys do on your podcast is you have a cocktail of the podcast. And so mm -hmm. I let you guys know that I wanted you to make me a podcast for, or not a podcast, a cocktail for this podcast episode. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and, uh, and, give us the recipe and tell us what it is. Okay. So we wanted it to be on theme with um, MLMs. So we're not going to specifically name the MLM, but if you are involved in the anti-MLM world, you probably will guess uh, what this is inspired by. It's called the Plink 
drink. Um, and so the ingredients include two parts gin, one part Saint Germain, one part raspberry lemonade, and a lemon wedge to garnish. So you basically shake it all up. Um, you put it through a fine strainer into a chilled martini glass and you garnish with the lemon wedge and you can enjoy. So it's very simple. Um, it is very relevant to the MLM world. Um, it's definitely a lot better than what the other drink is. Um, it sounds and, better. Yes. <laughs> and it has gin, which is yeah. awesome. And it's only $29.95 yes. and free shipping. Monthly membership. Yes. And your membership. <laughs> Just hop on that auto ship and yes. we will send you one every month. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then one of the things that I do on my podcast at the end of these is I do a rapid fire. Now, because you guys aren't or weren't in an MLM, I created all brand new questions for you okay. guys <gasps> that are more podcast related so than, than MLM related. We're nervous. Yeah. Is this how we make our guests <laughs> yeah. feel when we do that? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I feel bad. Bing, bing, bing. Okay. So podcast to podcast. What was, and this is your whole podcast. This doesn't just have to be the, okay. the MLM season, but who was your most interesting interview that you've done so far? Aaron? <laughs> oh no. This is oh. hard. I feel like we've had so many wonderful interviews. It's so hard to choose just one. Do we want to choose one from each season? Can we do no, that? That's too much. Okay. No, never mind. I'm gonna okay. I go you with go. your gut, Elon. So my gut tells me um we interviewed Murder Murder News, which okay. is um, they are two best friends who have a podcast, YouTube channel, website about everything true crime. And they are like the most creative, quirky, spunky, fun people like ever. Um, and it was just really fun. Like that was, that was one of the episodes where I was like, yeah, like we're doing something like really cool. And I'm glad that we're doing this because, and they're from Canada too. And they were like, yeah, like come and like, whenever you're here, like, let us know, like, we'd love to meet you and have drinks. And so many people have been like that. Like, oh, if you're ever in Birmingham, like come stop by our business, like, let us know. Um, and that's been really exciting and really reaffirming. So I go with that one. Okay. Um, mine is going to be Emily Harple, which was our first interview guest of season four. Um, she's someone I saw on TikTok really grow with her small business. If you don't know who she is, she owns Art of Sucra, which is a cotton candy business. Um, and she makes glitter cotton candy bombs, uh, which are delicious. And you can add them to your cocktail beverage, like champagne or Prosecco. So it elevates a mimosa. It's a lot of fun. She has different flavors. Um, and she was just a normal girl who didn't know what to do after college, started this cotton candy business on a whim. Um, and it ended up like growing to um, a level she never really expected. And so now she has over a million followers on TikTok. She sold out twice with her launch. Um, yeah, and it's just a just really inspiring. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out her product, wow. not too. Well, I'll link um, all of that info in the show. Yeah. Notes it's really awesome. That makes me want to go get some. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> we both tried it and it is delicious. Uh, and it's great to see someone be successful um, who started a small business. Yeah. Okay. So in a similar vein, uh, but not the same. What was your most excited, like when you reach out to people and say, would you like to be on our show? Who was your most exciting? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So definitely. Um, our, so today is April 11th that we're filming yes. this tomorrow. Oh yes. Well, mm -hmm. um, we have Holly Nichols, who is a, basically the premier elite yeah. fashion illustrator for like the entire fashion industry she basically does these beautiful drawings of like runway pieces of like big ball gowns and she does them really beautifully and basically again like a small business just started off as an artist pursuing their passion and you know followed their gut and went with it and now she is huge and works for all of these huge campaigns and is the go-to for these types of illustrations and she's launching um, like a how-to like book this week and she's just huge she has millions or hundreds of thousands followers, of followers yeah, and like just like works with all these famous brands and people and, and she's so down to earth and yes nice. and like literally yeah. yeah we spent like 45 minutes half of it just like chatting about like ourselves and 
that's really cool when you can meet someone who, even like you, like coming on today, like we get really nervous. And then you hop on, you're like, oh yeah, everyone in the world is a real person. Like no matter how many followers you have, whatever clout you have, how much money you have, like we're all people with emotions and issues and passions. Um, but like when she said yes, and like, I was like, I cried. You just feel so humble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. So yeah, that's both my Aaron and Ioana, you both, it's the same answer. You're same answer. Yeah. Yes. I've been following her for years and I never thought she would respond. Um, but it's been really awesome to see. So, I mean, I never thought you would respond either. Like, honestly, there's so many people I saw the vice documentary. I was like, this person is so cool, so inspiring. And to see all these people be so kind um, and really humble about all the work that you've all done. Um, it's been so amazing. That's been my favorite part of doing the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is out of all the cocktails that you guys have had on the show? What is your favorite one that you've shared? These are really good questions. Wow. So yeah. Hard. These are amazing. Yeah. We've had I like so to make many. you guys think. <laughs> so we initially we were making the cocktails um, and we were kind of choosing. We also have a cocktail book where we've created different cocktails. So we were sharing those, uh, but we really wanted to connect with other bartenders and mixologists as we're not experts in cocktail making. Um, and so we've shared quite a bit um, other people who have shared their own cocktail creations. Um, so, wow. I honestly, I don't know what the answer to this is, Aaron. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I think I could. To... I would just say in our fourth season, we've had actual bartenders and mm-hmm. mixologists shout out their own like specialty creation. And I don't know that I would select one. I think I would say all of the all of ones them. that we've done in <laughs> yeah. season four. Yeah, because yeah. it is. It's like, it's either their favorite or something yeah. we've created. A lot of them have been um, like quarantine inspired. So something that they felt passionate about and, or, you know, had this like idea to create this drink while they were stuck at home. Um, so I would reference all of those, which would be what 11 or 12 cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I don't know, we have like a common theme amongst mixologists or people that are passionate about cocktails that share a cocktail on our podcast. A lot of them are either like scientists or have these like amazing day jobs and just do this as a passion. Uh, so it was really cool to kind of see all these different people connect, especially during COVID over a common passion. Um, and it's not something that they did actually full-time. It was just something they loved. Here's a little fun fact. On my episode, the cocktail was a Long Island iced tea. You oh, guys yeah. didn't talk to me about this at all, but randomly yep, I remember that. at the same yeah. time, because I reached out to you after and I was like, did you guys even know this? The Long Island iced tea was the very first, and I will say legal drink that I ever had in my entire <laughs> life. Um, my mom had taken me to Vegas and at the, the midnight mark of my birthday, we went into the Coyote Ugly in the New York, New York casino. Yes. And she yes. bought me a Long Island iced tea was the very first it's legal like drink I ever had at 21 years old. So I was like, oh my God, that's so random. But that, that's the cocktail you picked for it's my episode. My favorites. I mean, it is it's, strong. But I'm not a is, huge drinker, but yeah. I, 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 yeah. I might order one sometimes. I don't know if I can handle <laughs> I have very anymore, fond but... memories of that cocktail though. <laughs> um. Okay. Two more questions. Okay. Um, the coolest thing that you guys have learned while doing this podcast. Wow. I know it's another hard one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is great. Cause we actually haven't sat down. Like, I feel like we haven't had a moment to really think about this. No, we haven't. <laughs> Aaron, I feel bad. I keep throwing it to you. I'm like, Aaron, what do you think? No. Oh man. She's like, give me 30 seconds to think. Aaron, it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> the coolest thing at- we've learned. I mean, you guys have had some pretty cool survivors and people on your, on your show. I could imagine that you've learned some really cool things. So like anything that just randomly stands out. I think kind of, but do you want to go Aaron? So we did an episode. We actually put this one in our true crime slash business crime season, whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. season three. Um, But we came up with the idea um, during the MLM season and it was it was season three episode four um, and I think it was called uh, the call center scam mm-hmm. so essentially it was about there is this um, like 
corporation that is the middleman for basically all of the, you know, glitzy American companies that, you know, so Disney, Comcast, um, maybe even some of the airlines. Um, but basically, they provide contracted customer service workers for those places. And those people, you know, they think they're going to be employees of Disney, like they're going to be working for Disney World, or they're going to be you know, working for United Airlines or whatever it is. Um, but then really they are an employee legally of this shadow corporation or whatever you want to call it. And not only that, but they have to pay for their like training and education before they can get a job with the company. And they have to pay, once they take their training that they pay for, they have to pay to take a test to pass that test, to be an employee of that company. And then once they are an employee of the company, they have to pay a monthly service fee to use their uh, like customer service platform. And they have to pay or lease their equipment. So essentially it is this MLM wrapped up into a company that is essentially hiring contracted workers, which is then selling those contracted workers to the lovely American corporations that you and I both, you know, come to love and have magnets and stuff on our fridge. Um, and that's uh, something I learned. I think there might've been a NPR or New York Times mm -hmm. story on it. And I was like, how has nobody ever covered this? And we were in the middle of filming the MLM season when I found that story. So MLM yeah, so season call center scam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Season three, yeah. episode four. Definitely a really interesting, interesting. story. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, my, I don't know if I would say this is the coolest thing, but something I really appreciated and like learned from every single guest we've had um, is, and I feel like Aaron and I can relate to this very well, is that most people that, um, you know, had reached this level of quote unquote success or created um, a small business or have finally found their passion. Uh, they never really, I mean, they either didn't know they wanted to do this or they had majored in school in something else. Um, like for example, Diane Fanning had gone, who was an author in our true crime season. She had gone to school for something in science and then she ended up just writing a book on a whim. And now she's a true crime writer. Uh, and she's been doing it for like a very, she has over 26 published books. I mean, it was just so inspiring to see all these people um, basically tell us that it's okay to not know what you want to do or where you want to go. Cause you, you really don't know where life is headed, um, yeah. but just continue to follow your gut, kind of what we talked about and, and what you're passionate about. And it will lead to ultimately what you should be doing. So that was really nice. That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, and then the last question, which we kind of touched on already, but what's coming up next for you guys? Yes. So, um, we are in season four. We are on our 12th episode. Most of our seasons have been six to eight episodes. Yeah. Um, so we don't, we have been discussing <laughs> what we're going to do. Yeah. We still don't know, which is fine yeah. because we will ultimately go with our gut. Yes. Um, either we are going to immortalize this topic and make Sip With Me about the season that we're doing now. And it's not going to be seasons. It's going to be strictly that. Yeah. And possibly add a MLM themed mm -hmm. podcast, um, or we will um, kind of do this and highlight these stories until it feels like, okay, the time is right to move on to something else. Um, we'll move on to something else, start a season five, um, and possibly add an MLM segment to the show. We are also about to launch, um, we're redoing our new segment because that's kind of where the podcast actually started. It was yeah. really supposed to be, and what season one was, was covering like the biggest news stories that were going on um, and really covering those again in a way for millennials, Gen Z, people that are super busy um, to kind of just listen to in a, a virtual audio platform. Um, but we are launching um, TikTok and Instagram Reels um, that are going to be basically, we have uh, weekly headlines that are at the end of each episode, uh, but we're going to do those in kind of a 
more rapid fire daily format on TikTok and Instagram because that content has been doing really well. Um, and that ultimately I think is the news is where we both feel most comfortable and what yeah. we both feel most passionate about and is Iwana's background. Um, yeah. So that's going to be launching probably in the next couple of weeks. And it'll be called your daily sip. I feel like we can say that we, we decided on that idea. It'll be your weekly sip for our weekly news segment. Uh, but for our daily um, TikTok and Instagram reels and videos, it'll be your daily sip. So I love that. And by the time that this airs, like in a couple of weeks or so, I'm assuming everything will yeah, be ready. Be. So we'll if be everything able to add goes well. all that stuff into the show notes so everybody can find all that really easily. Everybody can start with season one and listen, uh, see what you guys are all about. I loved being on your show. It was so fun. I love your guys' you. format. You. I love your guys, like just your attitudes and your personalities. And it was such a fun season and it was such a fun episode to do. And thank you again for allowing me to be on your show. And, and thank you again as well for you being on mine because I, I love talking to other creators that dabble or have done this kind of stuff and, and seeing what they've learned. So I absolutely appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. I mean, we knew you were going to do amazing things and we, we already knew this was going to happen. Yeah. We talk uh, about you all the time. Yeah. Like, like, really, <laughs> I'm so excited to see you continue to grow. You deserve all the success. I mean, you're so genuine and down to earth. Um, and it really is so hard to find people like that. Um, we've been very privileged with our podcast to meet so many amazing people. Um, but I just wish you all the success and we yeah. will continue listening to the show um, and continue to advocate for the anti-MLM. Yeah. And if any Thank of you so your listeners have like any questions, yeah. want advice, want to start a podcast, like whatever, please feel free to reach out to us. Like if Again, if you have a desire to do something like this, or, you know, it's your passion or your gut's telling you to do something like this, just do it because you exactly. honestly have just no idea where it's going to go. Yeah. And the barriers to entry are so much smaller than they might seem. Like, especially when we were starting off, like, it's like a, po ooh, a podcast, like, ooh, it sounds so fancy. And like, oh, we're going to have an Instagram. Yeah. But like, just do it. Like it will become mm. you and you will make it your own thing and you can kind of take it where you want. Um, so just go for it. Yeah, I completely agree. I talked about doing this for three years before I actually did it. And I wish I would have done it three years ago because yeah. Yeah. it's been so rewarding and so much fun. I've met so many amazing people. Mm -hmm. um, it's It's been one of the most rewarding things in my advocacy is doing this podcast and I'm not even two months into it yet. Yeah, it's real. Again, like we said, it's literally it's like a form of therapy, um, and especially over the last year, it's been really good being yeah. so isolated. It's given me. I don't know what I would have done if we, if we didn't have this podcast and I was unemployed and the world yeah. was just as bad as it was. Like I would have been a completely different person at the end of last year. So uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love that that we've all sort of taken that. Uh, and been like, look, this is what the world handed us. And we're not going to take it sitting down. We're going to stand up and do something about it. And you guys are creating a, a change and differences in people's lives. And uh, I'm just, I'm so appreciative that you took your, your Sunday to come and talk to me. And if I'm, if I ever find myself in Chicago again, like I'm definitely hitting you guys up. And if yes, either of you are ever in San Diego or even Southern California, I have car wheel. Oh, I will be in San Diego. Diego. Oh, in June. When? In June. In June? Aaron, oh, I'll totally hit you up. Oh my let's God. Let's go get some tacos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti MLM friends as well. See you next time. <laughs>